Welcome, fine folks. This is Double Tapped, episode 30. I am Aller J, and this is Tannergies. <laughs> what a start. Yeah, I know. Wow. It was a dumb start. But I wanted to get wow. ahead of it because I clearly sound weird. Yeah, so do you I. You might have some residual. I think you're closer to back to sounding I'm, normal. I'm like 80% voice-wise. Yeah. So, yeah, so it is full-on allergy season here in Kentucky, uh, but also... Uh, I'm coming off of the flu, uh-huh. and I, I, at this point, I don't know if my congestion is flu-related or allergy-related, but I, yeah, I'm very congested, and obviously Jay's congested too, so yeah. it's going to be a great audio experience uh-huh. today. For me, I had a clear-as-day correlation, okay. uh, and first of all, the weather in Kentucky, the last little bit, just everything but the kitchen sink, it's, basically. It's question mark is the weather. Like a couple weekends back... It all of a sudden ramped up and was like 70 degrees for like two days. Yes. That first 70 degree day, I was like, oh, I'm going to run some errands. I'm yeah. going to go do some things. Yeah. I was driving around. I rolled the windows down. Nice. First mistake. Ah, yeah. Fair. Uh, driving around windows down on the day of the plants. Think Mother Nature is telling them, release all of your <laughs> like airborne substances into the air yeah. and repopulate yeah. half of those end up in my face <laughs> uh, so it was literally not two days after that that i was like oh here it is yeah uh, so i was like i don't even need i had a at home covid test which was negative so yes, i'm like i've taken two of those and they're both negative i was like i am and i know, there's the cycle that i know to go through it's like day one sore throat day two stuffy nose yeah day three runny nose day four well, from there on out, it's like trying to leave me. So, like the yes. occasional cough, the occasional nose blow, the occasional sneeze. I'm like, it is trying to work its way out. So, what's funny is that is almost the exact cycle my flu started with. That seems to be like my common like any sort of cold like illness. Yes. Sort of thing, but so I went to work because I assumed, as you just said, the weather has been very fluctuating. This was. Before that 70 degree weekend, yeah. even then it had been like 50 and then 20 and then, you know, it's just all over the place. And so I went in because uh, we had a meeting on like whatever day I went in, Tuesday, I think. And so, you know, worked like half a day. And as I kept working, I was like, I left at like four instead of five. I was like, I'm going to go home. I don't feel great. I'm just going to go home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, hopefully it's just, you know, allergies. I can nap it off and we'll be fine. Uh, but then I got feeling worse, took a COVID test because I had just gone to a concert, uh, came back negative, thankfully, mm-hmm. and then took another one the next day, still was negative, but then I felt sick for like really four or five days. Mm-hmm. I, I'm only, I've only felt like a hundred percent the last like three or four days. So it's, it's been a while, yeah. but you know, and you know, all that's complicated. The weather's complicated things our il- respective illnesses. <laughs> yes. The weather was weird that, we, and we also have, six inches snow. of snow, like two yeah. nights ago. Yeah. So everything's up in the air, but we're looking towards warmer weather. And as such, I got some of these Yes. Uh, from our friends, which I'm going to call friends. Yeah. From our frequent purchases at Rheingeist. Yeah. Uh, they've released this new series called RG Bev's. Yeah, I've seen these a little bit. Which I assume is their, like, answer to seltzers. Oh. Uh, These are fruitier and have, like, these aren't seltzers. They're, like, carbonated alcoholic fruit beverages. They're not beer. They're not cider. I don't really know what they are. But 
these particular Zango Crush with mango and blood orange. Whoa. Pretty tasty. Those are great. Yeah. So these would be a dynamite summer beverage. Yes. Uh, I believe they're 5%. So I think they're comparable in a sense to a seltzer, but certainly more flavor and would just slap on a boat. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that, that tastes great. Uh, so Tanner. Yeah. In this long intermission. Sure. We've both been playing a lot of things. What have yes. you been playing? So are we going to talk about it now? We can acknowledge things now, but I guess for the big stuff, which I've got two of the big stuff that we want to talk about impressions-wise, I guess I can go ahead and say that. Right. I'll save us talking about our actual somewhat in-depth thoughts about the two particular games that I've been playing, which are Horizon Forbidden West and Elden Ring. Yeah, you've been playing the two marquee releases, really. Uh, I have not because I've played maybe three hours of Horizon. Yeah. uh, Maybe four. I've played two streams worth. Uh, but because I've been sick and I've been playing that game on stream, I've not felt well enough. Well, the congestion has just made it where I couldn't talk for however many hours you would need, um, to stream. So I've not been streaming. So I've, Horizon's on hold for me right now, but I have finished in the last two weeks, five games. Hell yeah. Uh, so I guess I will do... The smaller ones I'll do now, and then there's a couple ones I want to talk a little bit more about. Okay. Um, so, I finished... This was not in the last two weeks, but uh, since we we last recorded, mm-hmm. uh, I finished Inscription. So, is it... It is by solidified far... By far my game of the year. Okay. Yeah. Amazing game. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, if you can get your hands on it, please play it. It's one of the most transformative, strange, interesting things I've played. It kind of... Uh, I mean, I, I talked a lot about it last podcast, but it's kind of on the level of like a Stanley parable for mm-hmm. me where it's just so unlike anything else I've ever played. So definitely recommend that. Um, I've also beaten uh, Unpacking. I remember you talking about this. So game. I talked a little bit about this when I played it originally, but I went ahead and finished it up. I've just been trying to like clear up some backlog. Um, and so... I finished unpacking. I had like half of the game left. Very cool, very chill, uh, really cute indie game where you are literally unpacking uh, a room and then a house later on. But the cool thing about it is that there is this environmental storytelling happening through what you're unpacking. Mm. So, you know, you start off and you're unpacking a bedroom and you assume you're like 16, whatever. And then you move out to your first apartment. I, I don't know if it's in college or whatever, but it's clearly like a first apartment. Yeah. Um, so you're unpacking all this stuff there and then you move to your next place and it's like, Oh, is this a roommate? Is this a partner? You know, what's going on? And then I'm not going to spoil what goes from there, but there are some really interesting story beats, yeah. uh, that you get through this. I guess it's like a puzzle game in a, in the very lightest sense where, you know, you have, 15 things in a room and you need to get them all in the right spot and they need to fit. Yeah, and then, it almost sounds more like a visual novel. Uh, sort y- of. It's somewhere between. Yeah. So like there are certain, and it, it's not really clear until you finish a room, um, but certain things have rules. So like, mm. you know, you can't put uh, like a shirt on the floor. Okay. It has to be in a drawer or on a, on the clo- on, a, on a hanger in the closet, that kind of thing. So there are certain requirements and it does get, I guess harder if you want to say that uh, as it goes on, but it is very chill. It's one of those, it's something I could play while I was sick because mm. it's very low stakes. Yeah. Uh, in a similar vein, this is not one of the games I've beaten, but just a game that I want to mention. 
power wash simulator. So this I saw you like tweet about this yes. or something. So this and is, I was like, I don't even want to know, honestly. It, it is exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> you literally just there you go to like somebody's house, uh like they're out their yard, and everything is just like caked in dirt. Did you pay money for this? Uh no, a friend gifted okay. it to me. But, I was like that would have been a questionable decision, at least on face value. But Dude, it's awesome. <laughs> it's so relaxing. So, like, it, you know, you go to somebody's backyard and, like, their grill has blown up. So, there's just caked in dirt everywhere. Yeah. And you literally just power wash it. <laughs> you go through and you clean the, the house and the little toy car in the yard and the swing set. And it do, it is very simple. I mean... It's, Oh, this is just triggering. Like, this would be an awesome summer activity that's not really, like, fun on the face of it. Imagine one of these. Yeah. 85 degrees. Yeah. Hot. You're out there. You're shirtless. Right. And you've just got a wall and a power washer. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, it's awesome. That actually doesn't sound half bad. (laughs) Someone, someone please gif what Jay just did. (laughs) You know what? My eyes were closed. I'd rather you not. But if you got to, I understand. Uh, Those of you watching the video version will know. Um, but yeah, so very chill, calming game. I, I know you're scoffing at it, but I don't care. It's no, awesome. I'm scoffing at my, I was like, why didn't I think harder about what I was doing? <laughs> they got it's the triggers. So it's like your angle. It's like a gun. Yeah. It's more of a, this motion. Yeah. I would think we, we just look like we're painting. A now wall. it's a duck. If you get that joke. What? Because ducks have an interesting shape on their body. Oh my God. <laughs> Wow, that was like three leaps from yeah, the last year. It was. Uh, so anyway, enough about corkscrew penises. Uh, so Power Wash Simulator, if it interests you, it is very chill. Uh, great podcast game. You just you just zone out yeah. and you, you power wash. Um, I guess I'll talk about Titan Souls, which I finished okay. later on. I will also talk about Titanfall Two oh. later on because I have a lot to say about. Did that. you complete it? Yes. Oh, cool. And uh, the only other game that I've, I, uh, no, there's two other games, sorry. So I finished uh, Sackboy A Big Adventure, oh. which is the PS5 uh, Sackboy game in the Little Big Planet vein. Maybe I'll talk about that at the end too. Okay. Because uh, it's a bigger game. And then uh, a game you might be interested in called Golf Club Wasteland. I'm, I'm intrigued. So it's $4 okay. right now on the PlayStation sale. I beat it in one sitting. Sure. It's like three hours long, maybe two to three hours long. Um, it is a like side scrolling golf game where the concept is it's set in the future and everyone has moved to Mars. Okay. So Earth is now just a golf course. Um, I love it. So it's pretty cool. There's some really interesting stuff. I, I wish it was longer. And I wish it was a little more creative with its holes. Mm. Um, the difficulty in the in the progression of the game is basically, you know, each hole is a level. Uh, is basically just getting the ball in like a tighter window or on a smaller platform. There's not a lot of like puzzle elements to it. Sure. I feel like they could have done a little bit more because it's sci-fi. You know, you could have portals you could shoot through or stuff like that. They don't really push that envelope. But something that's really cool about it that I didn't expect. Uh, there are 34 holes. Why not 36? I don't know. But there are 34, 34 holes. But the entire time you're playing, there is this like radio station playing in the background. Um, and it's very Fallout in that way. Oh, yeah. So you have 
songs, from what I can tell, made originally for the game, because in the credits there are a bunch of musicians and singers uh, credited as such, and in between each song, which are a lot of like, you know, synthwave kind of stuff, which is cool, uh, there's like a DJ who is telling stuff about the world uh, that's happening on Mars. Yeah. And it's a pretty cool little bit of like audio storytelling. Obviously, there's some environmental storytelling with you're playing through basically a destroyed Earth. Mm. So, you know, the way like there are giant uh, at one point, there's like a giant Bitcoin and like there are a bunch of little commentaries like that. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's definitely worth four bucks uh, and could be a cool trophy game. The only thing that would be really hard about it is. So I played on. I guess it's more like a difficulty, but they call it story mode or challenge mode. Mm. In story mode, I'm not sure that there's a <clears throat> par you just, that you like, have to meet. You just the whole... yeah, and in challenge mode there was. So I was like, I'm gonna play it that way. That yeah. sounds more fun. Tis golf. Yeah, <laughs> and so I played through that way, but then that unlocks a thing called iron mode, Ooh. which is you can you. It's like golf permadeath. <laughs> cool. So you have to play through the entire game and not. Land in a hazard, Ooh. or like go out of bounds, or not meet par. Yeah. If you do any of those things, you reset the entire game. And it's like that's kind of a cool idea. It sounds kind of hard, but um, you know, I appreciate that there's something else there than just the original sort of story. Yeah. Uh, but I'll talk about those other games later. Okay. Well, we got a few big news stories to catch up on. Okay. A variety. Uh, the first and the earliest and the biggest of which, arguably, is. In the counter move to Xbox acquiring Activision, right? Sony goes out and acquires Bungie. Yes. Uh, and Jim Ryan also noted, expect more to come in terms of acquisitions. Oh, interesting. Uh, so nothing yet on that front. But we were sort of in our discussion about Xbox acquiring Activision said, Sony doesn't necessarily need to respond. Right. They've got their catalog of games. You know, they just kind of need to rest on their laurels, which is normally a bad phrase. But in this case, they don't need to be overly, you know, ambitious and go out and do anything and blow a bunch of cash. Yeah. However, I kind of think this was the absolute perfect choice if they were going to go get somebody. Mm. Because the logical thing that I think a lot of people leapt to is, is Xbox about to take Call of Duty away from PlayStation? Right. Now, they just went and acquired arguably the most prestigious shooter developer in the world yeah in terms of Bungie and at least one of like what can you say when they got it for a fraction of the price than what Xbox basically just paid to I would argue mostly acquire Call of Duty sure you know yeah I mean I we we talked a lot about it at the time when this came out yeah but I haven't really thought about much other than the fact that now Sony can sort of play the if you take Call of Duty exclusive, yeah. we're taking Destiny exclusive. Which, you know, I brought that up in terms of Fortnite and them acquiring, like, Epic as a suggestion. Sure. This was probably a much more sound business move yes. for them. Because I think I think Destiny is one of the preeminent shooter platforms. Oh, yeah. Uh, along with Call of Duty and maybe, like, Apex and Fortnite. Um, so, it's, it's cool to see that happen in a way that's, like, not super toxic, but it's almost like a Cold War situation it where it's like... We're going to take this asset now. Uh, what intrigues me is that Bungie is now 
exclusive again. Sure. So they're the only studio to ever be exclusive to both Microsoft and Sony, to my knowledge. Yeah. And when we say exclusive, you mean like owned by yes. one of the major yeah, first, a fr- parties a first party to yeah. be determined what they do with a Destiny 3, whether that would be exclusive or not. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, sorry. Uh, as a studio yeah. owned by a major console, um, console maker. So that's interesting. I wonder what, you know, because they made kind of a big deal after they left Microsoft. Of being like, oh, we're going to be independent. And right. Publish our own games, right. all that stuff. And it's funny because Activision published yeah. uh, Destiny 1, but they've self-published Destiny 2. Um, even though I think it's still, I think Destiny 2 is on the, no, no, no. I've, I think it's one of the games on the Blizzard launcher, the Battle.net thing, uh, but I think you can get it on Steam too. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can. Anyway. It's funny to see them go back to being first party. Obviously, the money is probably pretty sure. good. Uh, you wonder if there wasn't some like, you know, obviously they had some uh, some degree of a falling out with Xbox and then sure. 343 taking over Halo. Uh, you wonder if they aren't just a little more keen on Sony management, which there have been some stories recently that might, you know, point to that not being the case. Uh, sure. I don't yeah. have a specific story about that. That was pretty recent news, and there's a lot yeah. still trickling out about potentially not uh, Sony being a great place to work, especially for women, people of color. You know, the regrettable normal things that you might expect from a corporate situation. But, yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll cover that more when there's more out, I would assume. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I wonder... Other than the money, I wonder what Destiny or sorry, what Bungie is is going to get out of this relationship. Yeah, like with Activision, it was kind of clear. It's like okay, we are in a dire situation with our legal side. Yeah, and we need sort of a change of leadership. Microsoft has put this crazy offer on the table. We might as well take it. Um, you know, I'm not sure that's all that went into it, but it seems like from the outside looking in, that's what it seems like. Yeah, with this is like, I assume Bungie was doing just fine. Um, but it could be just as simple as when Microsoft bought Double Fine. Yeah. And Tim Schafer was like, they offered us a ton of money and they said we get to keep making games. So we took it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all I right. Would, you know, like, the fact that Destiny 3 does not yet exist tells me that they are doing fine because they're not sure. rushing to put out another quick cash grab. Great point. They just released The Witch Queen, the Destiny 2 expansion, which by all accounts is great. Yep. Uh, I might get around. I'm. I'm already planning the games I'm going to play this summer, basically. Yes, yeah. Um, especially once I talk about Elden Ring, that's going to take a shit ton more of my time than yeah. it already has. It's a, it's a packed year. Um, yeah, so they are clearly pumping out content, and they're content with doing just that with Destiny 2, at least for now. Mm-hmm. And the question will be if Sony decides to put pressure on them to say, hey, it's time to move on and release something new. Right. Uh, when that happens, obviously, is up in the air doesn't seem like it'll be anytime soon. I would imagine the absolute earliest it would be announced would be sometime this year sure. for release. I would say no earlier than like late next to two years from now or something right. like that. But um, I feel like if that were forthcoming, and I don't, maybe they've done this, but I feel like Bungie would hint, hey, this is the last Destiny 2 expansion. Sure. Which, you know, the sizeability of this and the way they've marketed it, it could be. Sure. But they have not expressly indicated that. Right. So. And I think. We have theorized that it would be the last Destiny 2 expansion yeah. for several expansions now. So sure. they are kind of redefining what a game like that can be, which is cool. And who knows? Maybe it's more of a World of Warcraft where it never gets a sequel. It's just the new expansion. Yeah. And that's true. And like, I have no qualms with that idea. No, me neither. I just want them to be able to take full advantage of the new hardware. Sure. Which, you know, still a good looking game, runs 60 frames. I wouldn't be complaining about it. 
But obviously, if they built a Destiny 3 from the ground up, it would be a little prettier, probably right. a little smoother. Yeah. Uh, so I would like to see them do that. But yeah. That's true. Destiny 2 is still arguably... I mean, there's an argument to... it's Man, it's better than Vanguard. I liked Vanguard mm. a lot, but Destiny 2 is a better game. Sure. Uh, and I would put it... I would play it before the likes of like an Apex or something like that. Right. And I am tempted and probably will get Witch Queen sooner-ish rather than later. So Yeah, it's one of those games, right, that's like always on the back of your yep. mind. It's like... I could get into Destiny again. Yeah. All you need is like a little push in, in your back. So, you know, if they keep it just as that kind of thing, not to mention, you know, that's our view on it. But there are some people where like Destiny 2 is life. Oh, like, absolutely. This is the game that, you know, everybody kind of has one of those games that they always come back to. Like for us, it's like Rocket League. Or yeah. Something, right. Where it's like, all right, well, it's a Friday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play Destiny 2 yep. or, you know, I'm going to do my dailies today, whatever. So good for them for making a platform like that. Um, 100%. And a game like that. So. So, good job, Sony. Next story, a little shorter. Okay. Quick addendum. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has been sort of quietly delayed. Okay. Uh, work on your game, get it done. Yeah. You know? When was it going to come out? It was supposed to do, do out this year. I don't think they ever had a firm release date. Okay. Now they're just listing it as 2023, which, you know, that's I think cool. our take on this is always pretty much the same. It's like, if that's when the game needs to come out to be good and not crunch the employees, do it. Yep. You know? No it's qualms. simple as that. No qualms. Uh, and they did just announce that uh, Gotham Knights is due out, I believe it's November this year. Okay. Uh, so that one, which those games needed not to come out close to each other anyway. Right. So as to not cannibalize each other. So I get it. And this one seemed to be the more ambitious of the two. Mm. So I understand that it probably is taking a little longer. So yeah. Fine. And you and know? Gotham Knights seems further along. Yeah. we had Has those, always seemed further yeah, along. They had that say. gameplay demo out where it was like, okay, this is mostly done yeah and they need to clean some stuff up and all, probably, all the systems are in yeah. place like yeah i don't know how excited i am about that game if i'm being honest though me neither no idea uh the the continuation of the arkham series in whatever direction or just you could even argue just rock steady dc properties yeah i'm just not sure where i stand with them at the moment mm. i'm kind of i'll probably wait for reviews yes uh, on gotham knights especially same here uh, suicide squad looks like a little more of a cool left turn that I might be more intrigued to just dive right into. Yeah, and it's Rocksteady proper. Yeah. And they've never made a bad game. Like, Arkham Knight is good, but has just with one just questionable choice. Yeah. Or, well, a couple. two. Yeah. That's... It's just a flawed good game. Yeah. But still a good game. Next story. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Out of formally nowhere. Formally announced. Yes, this absolutely out of out nowhere. Of nowhere. Um, people were anticipating that it might have been like DLC for Pokemon Legends Arceus. You yeah. know, there were some other theories that were going around, and then bam, all of a sudden you see three new starters, and it's Gen 9 yeah. on the way, due out later this year as well. Which is wild. And the early gameplay trailers seem to paint it as somewhere between the likes of Pokemon Legends Arceus and like Sword and Shield. Mm. It's like more open than Sword and Shield, but maybe not as, you know, Breath of the Wild knockoff as. Sure. Arceus is and I'm kind of excited I'm kind of interested yeah me too I've had uh I meant to actually talk to you about this yeah. so I've had the Pokemon itch I yeah. have no interest to really play Sword and Shield anymore no um didn't really do it for me what I am going to do though so you and I are going on a trip uh at the beginning of June so three months away uh, -huh. uh so I found out have you do you know what ROM hacks are not exactly. So I've known Both about words are words that I've heard before. <laughs> so I've known about ROM hacks for a while, but I've never really watched any playthroughs of mm -hmm. any of them, um, except for. So there's a, a subset of Mario ROM hacks called Kaizo games, 
which was kind of the pre-Mario Maker okay. of Mario Maker, where people would make entire Mario games yeah. uh, that people could play on emulators. So similar idea for Pokemon. Uh, there is a ROM hack that I watched uh, Ray Narvaez, who used to be part of Achievement yep. Hunter, who's now a streamer. I watched his playthrough of called Pokemon Unbound. Okay. I've heard of this. So it is a... Uh, it's set in the Game Boy Advanced era of Pokemon. So that's where you play it on. You play yeah. it on like Visual Boy Advance. Um, and it is Gens 1 through 8. So it's a lot. Uh, and it's generally darker than your normal Pokemon game. So the story goes in some interesting spots. As fan creations are wont to do. Yes. And also the battles are harder. Interesting. But there are some really interesting gimmicks to the gyms. Um, and obviously it's one through eight, so you can assemble a crazy team. And so it's, it's since it's that era, yeah. all gens one through eight Pokemon Spritify? Yes. That's awesome. They all look like that era of sprites. Um, and it looks fantastic. So I am saving that for the summer, the ride yeah. down, the ride back. Interesting. Um, I'm going to play it on the iPad probably, but I will let you know how it goes. It should be fairly easy to set up. So yeah. if that's something that intrigues you, let me know. You'll be my beta tester for that. Yes. Uh, next story. And I know this is with some distance between this, but we have to talk about it. Okay. The Uncharted movie review. Mm. We have to talk about it. We do. This. We do. Uh, so we went and saw Uncharted with a group of friends shit whenever it came out three two weeks, weeks ago, ago something like that yeah it was um, two weekends ago if i'm being honest i might not remember any character's <laughs> name that wasn't a character from the game <laughs> yeah so. you got your drake your sully your chloe sam who is non-present in the movie yes um and i do not remember that chick's name i do no. not remember antonio banderas's <laughs> character's no. name uh <laughs> oh god you know which this is emblematic of the quality of the film sure uh it was fine yeah I, it was a presentable action movie so i came out of it saying it was probably the most mid movie i've yeah, ever seen it's so mid yeah. so there are as many fun things about it that there are problems um my biggest qualm and we kind of knew this going in is that Mark Wahlberg is completely miscast. Yeah. Or Sully is completely miscast. Or even just miswritten. Like... Yeah. They didn't tell Mark Wahlberg to be anything besides Mark Wahlberg. Right. He just plays Mark Wahlberg in the movie. Yeah. Um, so that immediately sucks because Sully is a lot of people's favorite character yeah. from Uncharted. Um, I think Tom Holland is a fine Drake. Yeah. I I don't... I still don't know how I feel about them de-aging both of them and, you know, making it like you know, early 20s Drake and 40-something or 50-something uh, Sully, as opposed to, I guess he is 40-something Sully. Yeah, that's what I was As opposed imagine. to, like, you know, 35-year-old Drake and 55-year-old Sully. Uh, so that part, I still don't know how I feel about it. Um, I wish there were more set pieces. Sure. Weirdly, they tease a couple of things that don't end up being set pieces. Yeah. Specifically, the one thing... Um, not to spoil anything, but when you and I both thought they were going to do the clock tower thing. Yeah. And they don't. They very clearly set that up and then don't. And do it. then don't do it, which is weird. Um, I, some positives were, didn't overstay its welcome. No, it, it was felt, in and out. That's true. It felt pretty short. Um, a couple of the things that they pulled from the game, I games I thought were adapted pretty well to film. Um, that can be kind of tricky to do. Uh, this is not a spoiler because it's literally in every trailer of the movie, 
the airplane, you know, cargo yeah. falling out thing from Uncharted 3. Yes. Uh, they did that pretty well. I thought they translated that pretty well. Um, there are a couple of really funny, like, logical fallacies mm. to some of those set pieces. Um, specifically when, uh, and I think you might have been in the bathroom when this happened. Which, and I wanted to note that. I never go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. But... And you always say this is the most mid-average, whatever, and it is. Yeah. But the fact that I this series is so beloved to me, the degree of quality that I was seeing on the screen disappointed me to the point that I was like, I don't care. I'm going to the bathroom. Yeah. Which this movie sets up, you know, it's shown part of that at the beginning. Yeah, it does the hot So then it reaches thing. back around to that later in the movie. So once it started to do that, I was like, now would be a good time to go pee. Yeah. So that's what I did. But during that scene when they're falling... uh, Nate and uh, there's another character. I won't, I won't spoil who it is, but they are talking mid air while Nate is outside of a car and this person is sitting inside the car and they're just talking to each other. It's like that is scientifically impossible. You would not hear a word. Um, so there's little stuff like that. But overall, it's exactly what you think it is. Like if you have an idea in your head of like a, three out of five uncharted movie that is it yeah it is exactly that um it's 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 inoffensive i guess the weirdest part to us um there's one character in the movie that very clearly should have been nadine and it's not and it makes no sense as to why it's not um and then the other thing is that uncharted won the movie or uncharted you know the first uncharted movie is an adaptation of Uncharted 3 and 4? And 3, yeah. Exactly. It's weird. It is bizarre. I don't know why they did that. Um, there is a major, major, major character that is never mentioned, which is weird. Which is, honestly, <coughs> may, that may be the most offensive thing to me. Yes, agreed. Personally. Um, and I agree with you because, like, this reminds me of film adaptations where, like, if they're not adapting the game or the games... They are just taking elements from the games and making a movie and calling right. it Uncharted. Yeah, and piecing it together with a movie. Yeah. So, like, yeah, the lack of important characters, the, I mean, Uncharted 3 and 4 are obviously the last two of the mainline games. Yeah. And yet, you incorporate story elements from those, but with de-aged versions of the characters as though that's where the story is leaping off from. Yeah. When, like, yeah, it's just, it was a lot of interesting mishmashes and weird choices and one moderately interesting set piece well yes. two there were a couple there were a couple um there should have been more yeah there is <laughs> there is a fight that happens at a papa john's which is very funny <laughs> yeah that is yeah because it's very clearly like product placement papa john's yeah um there's no shortage of commercialization in this movie yes for sure. it, yeah it is a very commercial movie but overall, it's it's fine. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't recommend it, but I also couldn't no. tell you like if you need a movie to go see, there are worse choices sure. you could make. It's fun enough. Uh, so I don't even want to talk about it anymore. I was legit let down by how average it was. So it's mm. like it's average, but in a bad way. See, that's funny because like I was definitely let down by it, but, but it's, it's like almost, how high could your expectations? Right, it's almost have been. exactly what I expected. Yeah. Like. Okay, whatever. Um, yeah, I just wish... We, we talked about it, I think, immediately after, where it almost felt like 
the writers of the movie had read synopsises of the game rather yep. than played them. Yep. Uh, because there's certain, like, character interactions that are kind of missing. Like, I feel like Sully and Drake should have been way more chippy at one another than they were in, like, a fun way. Like, a bantery way. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It just felt... I understand why they made some of the decisions they made to make it a more easy-to-follow mainstream movie. Oh, that was my other big gripe, was that it is written for the dumbest people. Oh, sure. And I hate when movies do that. Like, it thinks its audience is really stupid. You knew my brother Sam? <laughs> yeah, he my says, brother Sam he says I, my brother Sam. My brother Sam. My brother that, Sam. Know, he left the orphanage when I was blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so... You know him? <laughs> what, that's my brother. <laughs> like, it, it's really bad about that. Um, my brother loved like historical artifacts. I love historical. <laughs> Do you love historical artifacts? You have this map. Yeah, I got it from my brother Sam that I used to live with at an orphanage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a it's a little. Uh, it is not a movie made for uncharted fans. No, that's, and that's not the, the best most way regrettable way to put it. Yeah, it's it is a movie based on Uncharted to try to be the most milk toast average box office semi success it can be and here's hoping the sequel is going to be good because there definitely is going to be oh, one oh yeah it's, it made, it made enough money. money yeah for sure i just hope before you move yeah. on sorry i hope this is not a sign of things to come with video game movies sure granted in the list of video game movies this is probably pretty, oh, no, this pretty is, high yeah this is a respectable entry because video game echelon. movies are normally pretty bad but i really i have no indication that last of us is going to be bad whatsoever no because it seems like everyone involved in that project really cares about it um i mean they have neil Druckmann himself right he's writing it and then uh the guy who directed chernobyl yeah uh said like the last of us is his favorite game like he changed his twitter profile picture is ellie you got the acting chops like everything about that is set up to be great yeah so there's a lot more care in that and i think it is almost a great sign that this is going to be on HBO uh-huh. as a show as opposed to a big box office movie. Yeah. Because I think that's why you get so many of these dumbings down and uh, just sort of movieification or marvelification, I should say, of Uncharted. Where it's like, we know what works in the box office. We're just going to crank another movie like this out. And with a show, it is more of... There is, at least like on HBO, there is more freedom there. Yeah. So hopefully that's not a bad sign. Which now you say that, like, I, you know, my love for Uncharted runs so deep. But, yes, a movie like this, I mean, just a pulpy action movie, Mm -hmm. is rarely of, like, such an extreme quality that I go out and I'm like, oh, that's one of the best movies I've seen this year. Like, whatever. Versus something that's going to have the emotional resonance, or should, of The Last of Us. Sure. I will be grossly more offended if The Last of Us show is not good yes. versus how offended I am that this was average. Agreed. Totally agree. So, oh. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Tanner, did you actually watch this freaking state of play? No, I did not. I didn't either. I had plans to, completely forgot. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, and as we've stated before, this is on brand because state of play <laughs> has been disappointing us for like the last three years. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to run through quickly. And this, honestly, looking back at the things that were announced... This is maybe the most consequential state of play, or at least varied and mm. relevant, of the last eight. I don't know. Oh, wow. Okay. Whatever. I don't know how many state of plays there have been at this point, because yeah. half of them are like, here's a 15-minute trailer for the game you've already seen ten times. <laughs> but <laughs> Here's another trailer for GTA V Remastered. <laughs> some of the, you know, a quick rundown. This is via the PlayStation blog. Uh, Kristen Zatini. Shout out. 
Uh, quick headlines for each. Futuristic exosuits clash with dinosaur hordes in Exoprimal so coming it's, in 2023. It's a dino crisis. Yeah, apparently people were like watching the trailer and were like, ooh, it's Dino Crisis. Ooh, it's Dino Crisis. But then they were like, wait, I don't want this to be Dino Crisis. No, 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 no. <laughs> so that style of game coming sure. from PlayStation. Uh, a new Ghostwire Tokyo trailer uh, that's out on PS5 March 25th. So 12 days from today. Yeah. Yes. I have no idea Me what neither. to expect from that game. None. Um, especially after how kind of shockingly Deathloop was apparently amazing. Yeah. Uh, and this, I guess, is probably the last Bethesda PS5 partnership game. Yes. Right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I thought the sort of visuals and potentially the gameplay looked interesting. But again, I just have no... Oddly enough, whereas Deathloop was stupidly overexposed, I kind of don't feel like I know enough about this game. True. So, whatever. I'll wait for reviews. Yeah. Maybe add it to the list of things to play over the summer, because I'm certainly not playing it right now. Uh, a new Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origins demo uh, lets you carry your progress over to the full game, which everything I've heard about this is that it's terrible. Mm. Or at least looks weird. I did see someone <laughs> say... That they are shortening this game to S-O-P-F-F-O. And someone was just like, I'm not calling it that. <laughs> I'm not calling it Sopfafo. Um, let's see. Worlds collide in Forspoken as Frey explores a land filled with corrupted creatures. Uh, that's their headline. Forspoken also delayed. Uh, oh, so, interesting. You know, again, another game that we just... It's going to be something. Yeah, it's funny because... I almost feel death loopy about Forspoken, but I can't really tell you what the game is. <laughs> yeah. I've just seen it a lot. All I know is there's a girl that's like, oh, fuck, is that a dragon? <laughs> or like whatever she said. She's wearing tennis shoes. Yeah. Uh, Gundam Evolution brings free-to-play FPS action to PS5 and PS4 in 2022. I've never tuned out of a sentence earlier. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you heard Gundam Evolution? <laughs> no, free-to-play shooter oh, action sure. or whatever. <laughs> I tuned out so quick there. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Cowabunga Collection. I did see this. This, year. this is kind of cool. Whatever. A lot yeah. of people really like those. Maybe I could get my brother. Games. My brother was a big TMNT kid. Those arcade games are supposedly great. I have a pair of really soft Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle pajama pants. <laughs> <laughs> cool, bro. Actually, me and my whole family all have them. Nice. Because we, for some reason, my mom one year decided like, hey, because I guess. She wanted to get them all for my niece, my nephews and niece. Mm -hmm. So, like, she wanted to just get everyone Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle pajamas. Yeah. That's it. There you go. <laughs> They're really soft. Nice. Uh, Gigabash, whatever that is. <laughs> what? Gigabash, another game title that where it's like, just try a little harder. <laughs> Gigabash. Uh, I don't know what this is, but it says, hold on. This is even worse. I uh -oh. didn't even read the full sentence. Oh, no. Gigabash brings multiplayer, monsters, and mayhem. Oh, no. That is the full description in this headline oh, to PS5 God. and PS4 this year. I thought it was going to be like an arcade sports game. I don't know what it's going to be. Gigabash. It sounds like a combination of every game ever. Yes. Uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R launches this fall. I saw people were excited about this. And for the anime lovers out there. Yeah. Uh, Battle Through Hell and Back in Trek to Yomi. Cool. <laughs> I actually did see, I think this is the game, it's another like uh, Kurosawa inspired sort oh. of, not as, not like obviously on the scale of Ghost of Tsushima, but very similar aesthetic and hmm. vibe. So I was like, I'm not entirely disinterested in that. 
Just those, wait to see those more. Those movies are cool. Um, Returnal Ascension update adds co-op and Tower of Sisyphus mode. I did see this. This is actually mildly intriguing. Yes. Uh, co-op Returnal sounds kind of cool. It does. Which, you know, we've sung our praises of Returnal, so obviously this intrigued us. That was uh, your game of the year It was, week. it was. The Diofield Chronicle announced for PS5 and PS4. Or maybe it's Dio Field and it's Ronnie James Dio. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. That would be cool. And then another game that I'm like, this is just words that they've heard in other games. <laughs> Valkyrie Elysium <laughs> descends onto PS5 and PS4 in 2022. All right. Valkyrie Elysium, that's okay. Like, makes you think of Disco Elysium. Yeah. Makes you think of Elysium, uh, the movie. The movie. <laughs> makes you think of Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Which tells me nothing about the game. Makes me think of Valkyrie the streamer. Sure. Makes me think of Valkyrie the Apex character. Oh. There's a lot of a lot of There's Valkyries. Lot. And that's all we know all about right. that game. Again, you know, I guess, you know, for those of you who watch the state of play, it seems more... I mean, there's certainly some games that some people are interested in in this one compared to the rest. Sure. But still nothing to write home yeah, about, Yeah, it's I almost... It's like... That sounded somewhere between a state of play and like a direct. Sure. Where it's like, yeah. okay, there's a lot of Japanese skewing stuff. That's cool. Which they did say beforehand, this is going to be Japanese focused. Yes, they literally they came out and said like, they did. you know, a lot of our Japanese partners are going to have stuff. So that's, as long as they say stuff like that, that's fine. Yeah. You got to set the expectations. That tells me <laughs> I don't need to watch it and it's cool. So yeah. And now, of course, you you can have an RG Bev, Zango Crush. RG Bev. So now we move on to our big topic, impressions of games that we've been playing lately, of which there are many. Yes. Uh, How would you like to structure this conversation? Since you have several games that you would like to talk about. You want to do like you do one, I do one? Sure. And then we both want to talk at least a little bit about Horizon. Sure. Maybe me a smidge more. So we'll end, end on that. Okay. So how about you go first? Okay. With, give me like a couple because I got a lot to say about Elden Ring. <laughs> All right, so uh, Sackboy. Let's yeah. start with Sackboy. So I had played maybe a third of Sackboy when I got my PS5. Yeah. Um, obviously, other stuff came out. Started playing Demon Souls. Started playing other you know more pertinent PS5 games. And when I was like still on the couch, I was like, I need something a little lower stakes. So I started playing Sackboy. Um, overall, as probably one of the biggest Little Big Planet 2 fans or Little Big Planet series fans that I know, <coughs> excuse me, um, I will say this is a pretty solid entry into the franchise. I, I definitely like it more than Little Big Planet 3. Mm. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Little Big Planet 1 and 2 were PS3 games, Little Big Planet 3 was a PS4 game. Um, 1 and 2 and Little Big Planet Vita underrated uh were all at least partially developed by media molecule i think vita was done by media molecule and sumo digital yeah um and those three games are great then little big planet 3 was done by sumo digital solo media Media molecule moved on to dreams uh so that game was pretty pretty like average i would say it didn't really do anything for me um, as a follow-up to one of my favorite games ever, uh, the thing that w- that was interesting with Little Big Planet One and Two is that they kept iterating and giving you new like power-ups and devices and ways to progress the level. 
uh, and Little Big Planet three instead of doing that, they just added characters with different abilities. Which I was, remember the like trailers, yeah. Which was less fun, and they also did this really unnecessary thing of making it like a hub world as opposed to just levels you go through. Um, it felt completely unnecessary and just made it less fun to go through levels because you had to go through this hub world. Yeah. Um, so Sackboy, unlike those four games, uh, is a 3D platformer as opposed to a 2D platformer. Uh, it does not have the sort of landmark Little Big Planet creation suite thing, and instead is just using Sackboy basically as PlayStation's Mario. Yep. Um, I've heard a lot of comparisons of this game with the 3D Mario games. Have you played any of those? Like Super Mario 3D World? Yes. I've played a fair bit. Uh, my nephews, so like I have a Wii U that I've touched less than a hundred times compared to how <laughs> much I've touched a lot of my other stuff. Yeah. Um, that was just one of the games that I had around. So when they were younger and they wanted to come over and play something, I would just be like, here's my Wii U, here's Super Mario 3D World, play it. Yeah. And it is like a fun Different take on like a, well, I mean, it's like 2.5D Mario. It's sure. not as explorable as like your Odysseys or right, whatever. Right, right, right. But it's obviously not 2D Mario. Yeah. They're interesting. I respect them, but it's not my preferred sort of dimension that Mario has. Sure. Yeah. I would, I would say this is probably akin to those in a lot of ways. It's where, certainly what it looks like. Yeah. It doesn't reinvent the wheel. Um, there are, so there are, as many levels that are completely forgettable as there are that are really interesting. Yeah. Um, which is good and bad. Obviously you kind of got to pad your level count. Um, the coolest levels in Sackboy are when they use licensed music. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Rayman legends did this forever ago with, uh, black Betty by Ram jam where, <coughs> excuse me, where like your, uh, the platforms and the enemies and your jumps are all timed to the beat of a song. Um, this is less like timing based, but, uh, all of the, like on your part, but all of the enemies and platforms are timed to the music yeah. in Sackboy. Those levels are always awesome. Uh, the most exciting one being when toxic by Britney Spears comes in and oh, it's, wow. it's dope. I was like, Whoa. <laughs> Cause all the other stuff is like, uh, like I think move your feet is one of them. Sure. And like, you know, it's a little bit more poppy stuff. Uh, and then randomly, yeah, Toxic starts. And I'm like, whoa. Uh, so those levels are really fun. I think there's one per like level set that is licensed music. There is one other level that I want to talk about that is really, really cool. And I think if I had to guess was probably the level they showed Sony to be like, hey, this is where the game is. Yeah. Because um, it's so much more polished than a lot of the other levels. So uh, you were progressing through this like factory setting, whatever. And this entire level takes place on an elevator. Um, so you have waves of enemies coming at you okay, yeah. in the elevator. But on the floor of the elevator, in order to progress to the next floor, you have to do a bunch of basically like... Uh, imagine that the floor is an iPad and Sackboy is your finger. Okay. So you have to like slide some sliders by moving oh. or like pop bubbles in this numeric order. So you're like doing all of this while all these enemies are coming at you. And that level is awesome. It seems like a really interesting idea. Yeah. The idea is super cool. Uh, I wish they did more of that. I, obviously it's hard to say like, I wish you did more really creative stuff, but there are a lot of filler levels when they do do some of the more creative stuff, like later on. And a lot of it is later in the game. Um, like there's a, 
there's a power up that's like a boomerang thing that when you first get it is just to like take out enemies and maybe like press a button that's far. Yeah. But uh, later on, there are these like blue like gel pads that you can throw one to and it teleports you. So there's a moment where you're like walking up a wall and there are lasers coming up and down. So you have to time your throw. So you're behind the laser and then sometimes you have to come back through the laser. And that one's pretty cool. Um, So my main gripes are, I wish it was harder. It's a little too baby game for babies. Sure. Um, Granted, you know, it's, that seems to be like their, that's the niche they were trying to fill with the PS5 launch. Yes. Uh, so I wish it was a little harder. Granted, I haven't played the post-game content. There is a, there is an entire world once you beat the final bo- boss that's like, hey, here's some extra levels. So sure. maybe that's where the difficulty is. Um, and I also wish there were just fewer filler levels. There are, uh. there are several of those that are like, they're fine, but they don't really do anything. And I think they were just kind of there to pad the game as opposed. And you know, I, any time a game is there to pad something, something's there and anything to pad something, just take it out. Yeah, just edit it out. Um, so those are my main thoughts. It's worth the buy for sure, especially if you like the series. Uh, it's fun. Uh, I want to try more of the co-op. I have played a little bit of the co-op with a buddy of mine, and that's really fun because I think that can make up for some of the more lackluster levels of, like, you know, dicking around with your buddy yeah. trying to – you can throw each other or, like, you know, shit like that. So it's it's worth the play. Yeah. I want to hear about Titan Souls. Okay. that's a game that's, like, I've always eyed it. Yeah. Especially when I get into, you know, the – sort of there's the itch that I got like especially like you know when I started playing Hades which I need to get back to and like certain games that like 2D old school games and I eye this because when I and especially when people talk about not only because it has the word in it but it's like souls likes yes it is this a game always comes up yeah so I was thinking about the best way to explain this game okay um and I've come up with this it is if hotline miami uh, Dark Souls and Legend of Zelda Link to the Past had a baby. So, um, and with a little sprinkle of like Hyperlight Drifter. Okay. Just visually. Um, so it is obviously, if you've seen gameplay of Titan Souls, it is top down. You are this little character with a bow and arrow. You have one arrow. Um, and if you shoot your arrow, you can call it back to you, but you only have this one arrow. Uh, and it is a boss rush game. There is literally no gameplay outside of yeah. boss fights. Uh, and so you are going through the, the first, you know, you start the game and it's very simple, almost to the point where it's kind of hard to know where to go a few times. Like it, it, there is no, no UI whatsoever. Like you press, that. you press pause and it's literally just like resume exit. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. like, those are, it's too often. That's maybe, awesome. maybe like a settings wheel, Yeah, but it's literally that like, there's no, this is where you should go. You know, there's no like press the touchpad and it tells you where to go. Like it is just, it's there. Um, obviously you start to get the hang of what a boss area looks like. So uh, the gimmick with Titan Souls is that each of the bosses are one hit. But you are also one hit. Okay. So it is, that's where the Hotline Miami thing comes in, where it is very throw a spaghetti at the wall and see what, see what sticks. Sure. So like you go in, you know, you, a lot of times it's not only finding out when the timing is right to shoot your arrow. Cause it does take a second to pull back on the bow, but also where to shoot the boss. Okay. So sometimes they only have one weak spot or you have to do something to open up the weak spot. 
uh, there's these are a couple of the entry level bosses. One of them is like uh, a slime <laughs> with a heart in it. Oh yeah. You shoot the slime; it splits into two, uh, slightly smaller slimes. One of them has the heart in it. You shoot the slime; that splits into two slightly smaller slimes, but they're all bouncing around. So, it, like, eventually you have to shoot the heart. So it's not technically one hit, I guess. But you know, once you yeah. do a strike, it is one hit. Uh, the game gets insanely hard. Like, I was spending an hour plus on the last three or four bosses. Um, and that is both to its, like, credit and also a little to its detriment, sure. I think, because there is nothing to consult to get better about it. Like, it's literally just, it is, you have to figure it out yourself. Um, specifically, the final boss, which I admittedly had to look up a guide for. I was trying to avoid it, but I just literally could not figure out what the gimmick was yeah. with this fight. Um, and I think it, it's kind of, it's still not obvious what it was to me. Like I know what it was, but how you're supposed to do it uh, consistently, like if you speed run the game or something, I have no idea. You were able to do it though. Yeah. 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 I, I did it, but like, I'm sure there's some crazy strat, but it seemed almost random Yeah. when I would get the chance to even take the shot basically. Uh, but the boss design never really repeats itself, which is cool. Um, there are a bunch of really awesome, like aha moments in that game. How many bosses are we talking about? Oh God. I think it only takes. So the entry set is five bosses and then you're like unleashed on the world. I want to say it only takes eight of those world bosses to get to the final set of levels. But I think there's probably like 16 to 20. So you can sort of like pick which boss to fight? I think so. So I thought uh, that it was you have to defeat all the bosses. Yeah, to get my to assumption would be like it would just be a linear progression of bosses. Sure. But it is more open world-ish in the way you get to each section. Huh. Um, Interesting. And I just ended up at the final boss door and it let me through. And I definitely hadn't fought all the bosses because there were areas I'd been to where I'd never fought anything. And I was like, oh. Okay, so I just, I went through and finished it, but I still have, like, there's a whole area I never really explored, um, looking back now. It's really cool, uh, it's very fun, it gives you a lot of the same, like, serotonin of, you know, a Souls game where you beat a boss and say, yeah. yes, finally got him. Especially because, you know, that, the boss being one shot, you can get kind of lucky sometimes, and that's awesome too, where you're like, oh yeah, I didn't have to grind through this one, I got lucky. Uh, most of the bosses probably took me 15 to 20 minutes, right. like it's not long, but uh, some of the really hard ones can take a while. Uh, but yeah, overall, I'd, I'd recommend it. I'm fascinated every time I see it, and I feel like it goes on sale Yes, about as often as any game ever. Yeah, it's always on sale. Uh, Maybe the next time it's around like the $5 mark, I might cop it. But. Yeah, it's definitely worth that. Uh, funny enough, I've started, which we'll probably talk about it more okay. next podcast. Uh, I've started Fury. I remember, yeah, okay. Which yeah. was a plus game like years ago, which is another boss rush game. Uh, but it is more in the akin boss fights uh, <clears throat> or boss combat style to like Returnal. Oh. Where it's like, it's top down, but it's very much like bullet hellish. Uh, you know, you're dodging a lot of stuff and you can fire a gun, but you can also like each of the, I played the first two bosses of that and each of the fights take like 45 minutes. 
Like they are, you are tr- entrenched in this fight. Yeah. But you have three health bars and the boss has like six or whatever. And if you take one of the boss's health bars, it resets your health to full. Ooh. So like it's, it's. It's sort of a war of attrition. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a, a very different approach to. That's kind of cool. It's kind of the polar opposite to Titan Souls. Um, but yeah. I'll, I'll talk more about that in the future. Okay. Well, speaking of Souls likes from yes. the creator of them all uh, from software, dude. I love Elden Ring. Really? Okay. It is, and it's, okay, I'm about, tw- I'm between 25 and 30 hours oh, in, wow. into it. I thought you were going to say percent. No, hours. Now, te- based on numbers that I've seen, I'm probably about 25 or 30 percent. Um, At least in terms of how much you could potentially do. Sure. Um. I've listed some bullet point thoughts. Okay. If you have any specific questions, feel free as I go along. Sure. uh, My takeaways to this point in the game, and let me tell you this off the jump. I say I love this game. I'm 25 or 30 hours into it. That is not enough for me to put a score on it yet. Okay. No, fair enough. I love the journey that I am on, and I'm going to continue it, but sort of my impressions so far. The best way to sum up this game is Dark Souls meets Skyrim. Okay, that is wow. my, you know, a lot of people are sort of comparing it to Breath, Breath of the, of the Wild, Wild, which yeah. I'm like, and what's funny is that when I see people do that, they almost always acknowledge that they're like, I know this is a cliche comparison, but it's like mm. Breath of the Wild souls. I don't really, I see that, but it, it to me is much more directly comparable to Skyrim. Sure. Um, You know, because, well, I guess Skyrim and Breath of the Wild have a lot of comparisons that you can make, obviously, yeah. but... The structure of the dungeons that you can just randomly find in the world of Elden Ring are almost exactly like the ones from Skyrim. Okay. You'll just be wandering around and you'll find a cave with some enemies and some loot. Right. Everywhere. Right. Like, that is so straight pulled from there that it, yeah. that's what it draws me to. I wonder... Are, sorry to cut you yeah, off. No, are, feel free. Are people making this comparison simply because it's an open world game with a lot of stuff in it i kind of think so okay yes. that's what i've been curious about I'm like is there climbing is and there I, or a part of me thinks that uh they're doing it out of a sense of like the f- i think for older older gamers that hadn't gotten that you know we talk about you for fallout 3 we're like you emerged from the vault yeah and you had the sense of i could go anywhere i could do anything sure and some people say you get that from zelda which you do mm-hmm. but Zelda has a quest marker. Skyrim had a quest marker. Right. Most of these games do. So I'm like, if you're trying to draw the comparison with Elden Ring to say, oh, you sort of emerge from your initial area and then you feel the freedom to go out and do anything, that's there. But it's not like you can only say that Breath of the Wild is where it got this from. Sure. That comes from anything. Right. And to me, it hit harder in this regard than anything that I have played since Skyrim, including Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And even more so... Because this game doesn't have quest markers, doesn't have oh. mission structures that you follow. Right. It literally is like you walk out the door and it's like, go. Oh, this sounds like my shit. And I, oh, the moment that happened, it was just like, it, it has your similar souls touchstones of like, it has your rest points that you sort of check mark at. Sure. But those are just scattered everywhere. That you can just find. And then you can warp between them at will. Nice. Um, So you walk out, you find the one, and it's just like, okay, where you want to go? And it's just like, I I hadn't really, it took me back because I was like so in awe of just like, 
you know, you walk out and you're able to do this. And I sort of, my next point here, it says the language of the world guides you where you need to go. Mm. You walk out of this sort of first little tutorial area. Yeah. You reach your first, they're called sites of grace okay. in this game. That's like your bonfires. Gotta call them bonfires. Yeah. yeah might as well. And I, <laughs> the rune, the souls of this game are called runes. And in my head, I still call them souls. Sure. Um, but yeah. Pretty much the Blood functionality echoes. of Dark Souls is all there. Yeah. But I say the language guides you. You step out, and even though technically you can go wherever you want, but you emerge and you're like, there's a road. That road looks like it leads to that castle. That's probably where I should go. Mm. And it intuitively sort of right. takes you in a direction. Yeah. And then you'll talk to people that you sort of meet along the way, and you're like, oh, you've heard about uh, X thing over there. You know, you might want to be careful, blah, blah, blah. Right. And some of them are like, yeah, oh, there's some loot over there you might want to go get. Or, oh, there's this person over there you might want to go meet. Like, you know, there was a controversial tweet that got sent, uh, Jason Schreier. Uh, and controversial, not in like a real sense. Sure. But like some people were like hounding him because he said, you should play this game with a journal. And people were like, why would you you want us to get like an actual journal and like write stuff down. Like this game must be better if you had like a quest log to follow. And he's like, no, because not only does that sort of defeat the purpose of like the random exploration mm -hmm. of the game, there are so many fucking quests. <laughs> you would get bogged down and lost. Right. If you tried to keep track of this in game. Right. So I have like a notes. Oh, cool. Like where I'm just like, and I don't keep track of everything, but sure. if like I talk to like a random NPC, like there's this dude who's like, uh, there's this girl. If you find her, could you tell her to like come visit me? Mm. So I just wrote that down. And I was like, if I ever see the girl, I'll tell her. Right. And guess what? Never found the girl. Found the guy again standing over the girl's dead body somewhere. Whoa! So like <laughs> spoilers, spoilers, but also you don't know the characters yeah, that are involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, and also like with the Souls game, like. The story is almost not the, it's not the driver, but sure. you want to, you're curious about the quest almost to learn more about the nature of the world mm. and less about being invested in the characters' stories themselves. Right, right. So you're just meeting people, you're finding places and almost, you know, so many of them are pointing you somewhere else. And I did see an initial tip that someone said, I don't remember who it was, but it was like, if you find yourself in an area where pretty basic enemies are taking more than three hits to kill, you should probably go somewhere else. Mm, okay. And I say that because, you know, I like, okay, I noted here, I was like, are you in an area with a blood red sky and the enemies are really hard to kill? You should probably leave. <laughs> right. You're not ready for this. Right. Like, it, the game is so good at making it f an area that you're not ready to be in yet feel harder mm. or feel more foreboding and then just sort of turn you gently back somewhere else. Right. Your intuition will tell you to leave. Yeah. Before. It is really good about that. Mm. Uh, I say here the story, if you had, if I had to try to encapsulate the story so far, of which would be very difficult to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's seemingly every Soulsborne game reskin. You're trying to solve the problem of undeath. And like, you know, you are like, every Souls type game has their vague way to describe your character. 
Yeah. You're the chosen undead. You are the hunter. Right. You are uh, the ashen one. You are, yeah. you know, Sekiro. The wolf. That one doesn't really. Is that what they say? Yeah, Call whatever. Him? But most, like the souls and Bloodborne especially, they're like, you are this broadly defined genre of character. Yeah. And in here you are the tarnished. Like that's what you are. Mm. So it's like you are a tarnished, like chosen tarnished, going out to search the world, do your thing. Um, so there's not much of a story yet there, except that it's sort of the opening cutscene lays out, oh, the Elden Ring. You have to go, you know, find the Elden Ring, blah blah blah. And I won't go too much into that because there's a little bit of spoilers you could get into. Sure. Uh, like I said, the mini quests that you you're familiar with from Souls and Bloodborne are there. There's just way more of them, and they're everywhere. Mm. Uh, they did add the mechanics are Dark Souls to the core. Okay. It is sword and shield Dark Souls style with the addition of a jump and stealth from Sekiro. Mm. So you can jump and you can crouch and you can sneak around enemies like you could in Sekiro. But if you're going to fight, you're doing it in the way that you would in a typical Dark Souls game. Right. I have not really explored something that they showed a lot in the trailers, which is like summoning like spectral allies. Okay. They tease that a lot in the trailers as like a really good way to take on like big enemies or hordes of enemies. I haven't found that super necessary yet, although here's the funny thing. I have sort of hit a point. There's like three different bosses I could go fight right now in completely different places mm-hmm. to advance the game. And I'm like I said, I think I texted you all this. I'm like, I have hit a place where I need to grind and just get stronger. Yeah. To really feel good about facing them. And I am almost to the point where I feel good about that, but I'm wondering if I need to look into more some of these other mechanics that sure. they have introduced. So there's that. Um, let's see. Like I said, the world is just super interesting. The locales are extremely varied. Mm. Uh, the horse, very good. Very, like You can get across the world very quickly oh, cool. uh, using the horse. If you don't use the horse, it's going to take you forever. Okay. Okay. Uh, I saw someone levy this critique, and I have a problem with it. Uh-oh. Uh, someone said that uh, this reminded them of Dark Souls 2, and that there are too many bosses that aren't, like, high quality. Mm. And I, my response to that is, pretty much all the bosses that are either redundant or not as, like, high quality or cinematic or whatever, are in the, like, optional little dungeon caves. Oh. It's not like if you mainline the game, you're encountering so many small, irrelevant bosses because right. you're not. Yeah, I think to I don't know how many bosses you have to actually beat to complete the main through line of the game, mm-hmm. but it's really not that many. Okay, I think you might have to, it might be like six or seven, but there's so many others, and I, when and some of the others are huge, ridiculous cinematic. So let's, there are other bosses that are not required for you to fight that are still cool and yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. But there are some that are just like in a cave that are just kind of like a generic warrior or weird beast creature. Yeah. And you can fight them, but you fight them, you get souls, you get your rewards, you warp back out and you're done. Right. It's all for you to better yourself and get stronger, not to exhibit, oh, how creative we were with the design of this sure. boss. So I don't really like that critique. With Dark Souls 2, those bosses were in your path to beat the game. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I, like I said, oh, well, one thing I also wanted to mention, like I said, you can explore the world pretty freely from the jump. You can, if you do things properly, 
the game sort of sets up certain areas as though they are inaccessible until you do something. Whether okay. it's you beat a boss, whether it's you find a certain item, whatever. And the one, I had one moment that was like, okay, surely I have reached a point where I can't move further until I beat this boss. Mm-hmm. And then I go talk to this dude that was like, Hey, you know, there's this other area, like, you know, if, uh, the first, uh, this is from a trailer, so it's not really spoilers. Uh, the first big trailer, like, oh, here's Stormvale Castle, like the first big dungeon you could go into. My assumption is that, oh, I have to beat Stormvale Castle to move on to the next area. But it's like, there is this, like, way over here that, like, you know, if you need to get to the next area, it's like, you could take that. So I just ride through with that on my horse, skip through the enemies because they're too tough. Yeah. Because, but I was so curious. Right. And I just did it. And I emerge, I find a side of grace, and then all of a sudden I have an entire new, equally sized, large area of the map that I could explore. I just know I'm not ready to yet. Yeah. But the temptation of finding that next area yeah. is so large that it's hard not to just explore until you can't anymore and right. then go back. Yeah, that's awesome. And I've found myself doing that a ton. I There is one area that I think now I literally can't access until I do something else. Mm. Um, you now, whether that's beat a boss or beat, you know, the other area, blah, blah, blah. But there are multiple bosses or dungeons that can at least be circumvented by just going a different way and exploring further. That's cool. Uh, yeah, the litany of optional dungeons and little items that are just taking you to different places are just... Un, like unparalleled to any game I've ever played. Wow. Uh, so the mechanics, if you love Dark Souls, this is Dark Souls on absolute crack. Like it's <laughs> okay. just, you know, the gameplay you love with the exploration that I'm sure people have been asking for in a game like this so far. So sure. uh, unless the boss quality drops off dramatically and the world design drops off dramatically, at this point I think I've explored or... When I say explored, I have discovered most areas of the mm. map. Even within the areas that I've been in for the whole time, there's places I have not been. Sure. So there's still tons left to see, even in areas I've been in. And there's still apparently more to come. And I can't wait for you all or anybody else that I know to play it so I can talk about it and see you all discover everything. Because it is just so interesting and fascinating. Uh, so be prepared for a challenge because it is hard, yeah. as usual. But I am accepting all the punishment that I'm getting <laughs> and not feeling like I'm hitting a wall because I'm like, well, I'm hitting these bosses underleveled maybe, but I know there's places I could go that I haven't been to yet to get stronger, find new things, new weapons, upgrade materials, all that sorts of stuff. Couldn't be more pleased with it up to this point. Very excited to continue exploring. Yeah, that's awesome. That has... Honestly, this conversation has excited me more about that game than maybe anything I've seen. Yeah, because, I mean, I didn't know really, really I didn't what either. it was. I knew it was basically Dark Souls open world. Sure. But, yeah. Um, and it's funny because this will be, in a way, my first new Souls game knowing that Ever. I like Souls games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, even Sekiro, it came out and I basically only played Bloodborne at that point. Yeah. I was like, all right, I'll, I play Bloodborne. I'll, I think I had played through Dark Souls 3 and was like, eh, on it. And then I played Sekiro. I was like, oh, I love this. Yeah. So I'm very excited to get around to it. It's going to be after Horizon for me sure. um, as a stream game because obviously you want to stream those games. But yeah, I am really excited about it now. And yeah. the idea of, you know, I think one of the few things 
that is a nitpicky don't love about some souls games is like the uh demon souls is the biggest example of this where it's like go to level one one and in order to unlock level one two you got to go to two one yeah and in order to lock to on level two two you got to go to four one like that kind of thing this is about as polar opposite as that as exactly and that's exciting to me that that feeling of I can just go anywhere and try it. Yeah. Um, is super exciting. So and I'm, even I thought I'm you were going to say like the gimmickiness of Demon Souls bosses. Oh, sure. That's I don't think I've encountered a gimmicky. Oh, boss. that's awesome. Oh, now, that makes me encou- so happy. Now, if I have, it's almost, there's one, bo- I won't spoil what the boss is. Sure. There's one boss that's like gimmicky in the sense that good luck beating this boss, even with gimmicks. Oh, that, whoa. Okay. And gimmicks that it sort of lays out in the world. It's like, you need help. Okay, to beat gotcha. this boss. And I have not beat them yet. Okay. That's one of the bosses that I'm like, I need help right now to continue to fight. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Right. Did you have another that you wanted to discuss before we touch on Horizon? Yes. Okay. Uh, it's Titanfall 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you might be wondering, what the hell made you play Titanfall 2? Uh, and really, it was kind of a random thing. So, I've been playing, obviously, a lot of games. And I was like, I'm in the mood for a shooter. But... For me to play like a single player shooter, it kind of takes something outside of the norm. So like I have Call of Duty Vanguard. I have no interest in playing that single player. I buy that game for the the multiplayer. I was like, maybe I'll play the Halo single player, but that's in my office. It's on my PC. Like I want to sit in my living room and play something on PlayStation. So I was like, I have Titanfall 2 and I've always heard great things about it. Our beloved skinny recommends it not once a month. Yeah. Always talks about it. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to try it. So, uh, when I originally played Titanfall 2, I think you and I played multiplayer on it. Yeah, I remember ago. playing a bit of the multiplayer and, like, the first one or two missions of the single player. Yes, that's exactly what I had done. Um, and I do not begrudge anyone who did that because the first two, mes- first two missions are the weakest missions by far in the game. Um, they're fine, but they're very standard shooter fare, right? Yeah. Like, here's your tutorial. Um, here's how you move through the world. Basically, and, you know, this game is quite old, so I'm going to spoil some of the level design stuff just because I think it's really interesting. Um, If you don't want to hear spoilers, I understand. But, uh, so, you know, you start out and you do your first little combat area. Then you see this Titan lose its pilot uh, in a fight. The pilot that you know makes you the new pilot of this Titan, and that's how you get your first Titan. Um, or you get the only Titan that you use throughout the game. Um, and so then you're like sent on a mission to go get batteries to recharge it, whatever. That's a very standard video game thing of like fetch quest, right? You go clear out the enemies, you come back, you bring them to the thing. Um, so there is, there are a couple of like good indicators that this game is going to be something different in those early levels. Uh, one is the interaction with BT, who is the Titan, uh, BT is almost like a Drax style character where it takes, it's a robot and it takes everything you say literally. Yeah. Um, so the, the, an example of this is one that that came to mind is like, Oh, BT, you're still in one piece after like a fight. And BT is like four, 4,758 pieces. Actually. It's like little stuff like that. That's really funny. Um, and there are a bunch of examples of that throughout the game. So then you go through a pretty standard second level, like, it's one of those classic shooter things where you go underground and you have to turn off the two pumps in order to progress through this level. And then you fight your first couple of Titans. 
uh, and you fight your first boss fight. All of that stuff's pretty standard. Then the game gets awesome. <laughs> the game completely just after it's kind of settled you in and says like, all right, you know the basics of what this game is now. When you're a pilot, when you're a Titan, we're going to turn things on its head. So the next level after that second level, you are uh, going through this. I've been trying to think of how to describe this place. So it is this uh, manufacturing facility with like conveyor belts and cranes uh, that is manufacturing basically what you find out are like houses. So it's like carrying these like football field size slabs of concrete. And then every few stops is like adding a wall or adding Mm. a, you know, a roof panel or whatever. So uh, the movement in Titanfall 2 is... If you've ever played Apex, is very similar. Yeah. Um, in fact, those games are very similar in a lot of ways. Like the guns are the same. Um, and it laid the groundwork for Apex. Right. Yeah. Less. It was. It was almost a. Apex is almost Titanfall, the battle royale without Titans. Yep. Because um, like the movement's very similar. All the guns are the same. Um, I think there are a couple different ones, but mainly like the Mastiff, the R three hundred one, the Volt, the Triple Take, the Kraber. Like all of those are in the, are in uh, Titanfall. So that was cool for me because I've played a lot of Apex to go like, all right, I'm familiar with what these guns do. I know what I like. I can just pick these up. Um, So there is a lot of platforming, but a lot of it's like shooter platforming. Mm. So you're like shooting enemies while you're zipping around. It reminds me of Doom in that way a little bit, uh, the new Doom games. And so you're moving through this manufacturing facility using these giant slabs of concrete as like wall running things or platforms or whatever. Sure. And then you land in like, one of the hub areas where they're attaching a wall and that's where your enemies are. Mm. So you're moving through. Then, uh, all of this is to get back to BT because you got split up in some way. So classic. Yeah. So you tried to take a shortcut and BT's like, I'm never taking a shortcut again. <laughs> so, uh, then you're in this house that is fully built on this slab of like this football field slab of concrete. It gets put in its place, which is, uh, I'm going to try to describe it for the audio people too. It is like rotated 90 degrees on this wall. And there are just a bunch of houses aligned vertically up the wall. And you have to get to the top. Mm. So you are platforming through sideways houses. So like a bookshelf is now your platform or like a couch is now your platform. That part's awesome. Reminds me of a certain shipwreck from Uncharted 3. Yes, very similar. Or like uh, Control does some stuff like that as well. Like it's that kind of thing. So then you zip up. And at the top of this, you're like, they even mentioned this, like, why are they building houses? This is weird. Um, so you get to the top of this uh, this area, and all of these pieces slot into place, and it is a village that's used as a training facility for the, the like, soldiers. Mm. So that's what you were building. So then it's in a dome full of video screens, and so the video screens look like, the mountains or whatever yeah. area it's supposed to be. So then you do this fight and you end up breaking out of the video screens. And there's this amazing visual of the fake mountains. And then where you're supposed to go is this like tunnel hole. So that looks cool as hell. Uh, so that whole level is awesome. Really creative. Then I think what is the shining star of the game's creativity. This is the only other level I'm going to go into depth sure. on uh, is you're going after this energy source called like the arc it's like the all spark from transformers or something (laughs) like where 
you know, it's just a really it's powerful. It's the MacGuffin. Yes, kinda, yeah. it's the really powerful energy source that powers the major weapon or whatever. Yeah, um, story doesn't really matter. So you're going there, and it's like this obviously like uh, destroyed scientific campus. Mm. So as you're walking into this building, uh, you walk a couple, you know, and it's burnt out and it's it's all destroyed. You walk a few steps. And it snaps and becomes the past. And it's like a hallway of scientists working on something. And then it snaps again, and it's the burnt out thing. Hmm. The only way I know to describe this is guacamole. So the beginning of guacamole, you have like the living world and then the dead world. Um, And you have to time your like jumps and stuff to when platforms appear in both. And eventually you get the ability to swap on the fly. So this game is very similar to that, where it starts out where you're just adapting to this time shifting thing, uh, and then you can adapt on the fly. So that in itself is really cool, but it's still a shooter. So you are fighting people, and they only exist in one timeline or the other. So like you could be fighting a guy, or you could be fighting like say there's like a horde of enemies and you're overwhelmed. You could swap time, and be like recollect get to a better position, swap time back, and attack them again. Um, There are several instances of that that are really cool in both sides of it. Obviously, there's the back-and-forth platforming thing. But then, there are areas where there are enemies in both dimensions. So you have to account for... You have to know where one's going to be when you switch. Yes. And it is one of the coolest levels I've ever played in a shooter. It is awesome. Um, And it never... Uh, repeats itself like yeah. each level is so insular and a really creative idea Th- those are the two probably most creative but all of them are super fun and super dynamic and different uh, the game is relatively short which I appreciated it's like eight ten hours uh, it does not overstay its welcome at all each of the levels is about an hour uh, and I I'm just blown away by how good of a single player it is uh, maybe my favorite shooter single player ever as far as like a pure shooter goes, um, just a, a, an amazing game. And the connection you, f- you have with BT is, you know, I've diminished it in the past. No, it's awesome. Yeah. That character is great. And the like dynamic between his sort of super serious, sarcastic, uh, or not sarcastic at all, like not being able to understand any sort of sarcasm with, uh, Cooper, the pilot, his, you know, sort of snappy dialogue is amazing. Um, and yeah, I'm like, beaming about this game because yeah. it's so good bolstering your confidence for respawn star wars yes, a little bit that's that's something i was going to mention because you know i you and i both liked jedi fallen order yeah really um, liked it. it's really good but i would say that game's like an eight yeah like it's missing something i don't know what it is but this game make almost proves to me that like no respawn is just really freaking good mm-hmm. and they make really compelling single player games and I hope that they can bring some of the creativity and the humor to whatever Star Wars project comes out next uh, that they have in Titanfall 2. Because it's, yeah. it's so I guess dope. not even that, but even, I mean, that's a writing thing. Mm-hmm. Bring that more so into Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, for sure. Improve that game a little bit for, you know, the, we talked about it in our list of games that are like are almost really, really amazing, but have some tweaks that could be made. Yeah. Um, Speaking of a game that was almost really, really amazing, but had some tweaks that needed to be made, that was Horizon 1. Mm. 
And we've both at least dipped our toes into yeah. Horizon Forbidden West. And you're okay. You've played it a little. I've played, I think, like six to eight hours. Okay, so, so not, not a ton. You're not much further than me. I have reached the Forbidden West. Okay, I'll say that. Okay, you said you had not. So, what no. is your impressions from the very early stages of the game? So I have. Well, when you say reach Forbidden West, yeah, it's not when the credit, the intro credits roll, right? No. Okay. So I've seen. It might, that might sound stupid. It literally takes like four hours to get to the intro credits of this game. Yeah. It takes a long time to get there. Um, so I'm a little bit past that. Uh, but overall, first impressions, definitely want to play more. Yeah. Um, I was itching to play it, but obviously, like I said, I've, I've kept it for stream. Uh, I think that there are some obvious improvements from what I remember from the first game. Yeah. Uh, most notably... The characters that aren't Aloy seem way more interesting than they were the first time. And not even in, more interest, not even just more interesting in terms of character development, but in animation. Yeah. Like, oh my just, god, they look so it's much leaps better. and bounds. Yes. Like that is the critique that we had, or one of them with the first one. It's gone. Like it's yeah, fixed. Yeah. Like one hundred percent fixed in this game. Um, I I do think it's interesting because I I did not go back and play Horizon One. Yeah. Uh how much they're relying, at least early game, on your memory of Horizon 1. They do a lot of recapping. Yeah, they, they, they do. But, like, even some of the more... I was appreciative of that. And, a, and that's a thing that I would rarely be appreciative of no, in I'm a always, game. But I was like, I'm oh. always for that. She's like, yeah, I, you know, this is what happened. And the your the first mission is sort of like you're playing alongside another character. Yeah. Uh, and he's not familiar with how exactly you interact with the world. And Aloy is sort of walking him through it. And he's like, yeah, I use this focus. Oh, I got it in this place. Oh, yeah, I'm a clone, blah, blah, blah. And, like, all this random stuff yeah. from the first game. It's a very smart way to reintroduce people to the game. Uh, excuse me. It's also a very smart way to tutorialize because you are showing him how all this stuff works. And in reality, you, the player, are relearning yeah. how all this stuff works. Um, so that's pretty clever. I think the it's going to take me a bit to get back into the combat. Sure. Um. And I would say that's the thing that moving forward, I'm most excited to get more stuff mm. because right now it's very basic. Yeah, you, you got your bow. You got your bow and arrow and that's it. Um, but I, I will say I'm in the, my major takeaway so far is just the, the fun in the characters and the dialogue seems to be ramped up a lot. Yeah. Uh, as far as like the, the story motivations go, I'm like, okay, whatever. That's enough to get me going. But So, I'll piggyback off that in just a second. Sure. Uh, I agree with you in the sense that, you know, the character interactions are of a higher quality, both technically and from a writing you know, perspective. Uh, like, I, I'm a little further than you. So, you say you reached, like, you know, the title, mm-hmm. scroll, whatever. Is that like when she's riding her horse? Or riding the animal like out wherever. Yes, and I've done. I've lit, my stopping point last time was right after you forced the guy to let you down the elevator. Yes, so that is sort of like you do your intro mission, mm-hmm. and then it's sort of like you're introduced to like this tutorial open world before you reach the true open world. Right. So that's sort of how it functions. Uh, and they're talking like, oh, you've got to go to this like. Uh, summit of, or yeah, some Yeah, it's like kind. the council or something. And it's like once you reach that, you'll grant permit, be granted permission to go explore the rest of the world. Gotcha. So I'm beyond that point. Right. And then I'm beyond that point by like one or two single player like mainline missions. Okay. Uh, 
the tall necks have returned. That's how you sort of interact with, they're like your towers in any Ubisoft game that lets you like open up and see what's in the open world. I found like my first one of those sort of observe all the things that were going on. Um, There is a point that I reached. I was with you that I was like, okay, the story is like, oh, you're, you know, the character of silence from the first game. It's like, you're basically tracking him. And, you know, figuring out his motivations for things that have gone on that carry directly over from the end of the first game. So yeah. it is pretty critical that you have some degree of understanding what happened in the first game. Yes. Um, there's a point <laughs> that gets reached that is a curveball that I did not see coming oh. whatsoever. Okay. Um, that I'm like, wait, this is a thing that we're having to worry about now? It doesn't take away from the primary sort of path that you're on. Sure. It's almost like this completely other thing that just interferes and interjects itself. And you're like, what the hell is going on? I'm worried that it's going to jump the shark a little bit. Oh, Um, okay. I don't know that. Sure. But I'm like, this is so out of left field from what I expected that... I'm curious how these two stories are going to like interweave right? or if they're going to interweave like at all really, or if it's just going to be like, okay, you had your primary mission you're on from the beginning, but now you've just got this other stuff to worry about. Sure. You'll know exact when you get there, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, and I have progressed very little beyond that point. Elden ring came in and just shit kicked this game over <laughs> to the side. Yeah. So like, and again, I am the living representation of poor horizon. Like, <laughs> yeah, we talk about this a lot. Um, you know, the first one got sort of overshadowed by Breath of the Wild. It is personally getting overshadowed in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to play Elden Ring until I can't play it anymore. Right. And then I'll come back to this. Yeah. But aside from the weird sort of story beat that I left off on, that I'm very curious and hope they're like pull through this. It just was so weird that I'm like, I didn't expect this. I hope this is executed well gotcha. as it moves forward. Yeah. Um, and there's still a lot of revelations yet to come. Absolutely, for sure. Uh, but I think the open world design of this game in the... I still haven't seen probably three quarters of this world. Sure. Um, I think it's awesome. I think it's lived in. I think they're using interesting locales. Part of the uh, sort of spot that I left off on, uh, which is interesting. This game has like, you know, we taught the... Uh, like the emerging from the cave moment and you're allowed to go wherever. Yeah. This game weirdly has like three of those. It has <laughs> okay. like, you reach the point that you're at. Yeah. Then you reach the Forbidden West. Yeah. And then you sort of reach the point where I'm at now, which is like, you have the main story branches and you're like, okay, you have to go do several different things mm. before you can circle back to progress the story completely. Yeah. Um, and it's like, there's one thing you can do in this location. There's one thing you can do in this location. There's one thing you can do in this location. One of those locations, not that I know for a fact, but is pretty clearly what was in all of the trailers, which is probably oh, San Francisco. Right, yeah. So, like, I assume one of the things is that. Yeah. There's another thing that was a different location, and I'm, like, really excited to explore that. Mm. There's another thing, though, that seems... What sucks is that the first thing is the least interesting. So I'm like, <laughs> that was part of what's like, okay, I don't really want to do this right this second. I want to go play Elden Ring. Right, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And it, they're all like 
they're not level blocked, but they have like recommended like you should be this level before mm. you go to this place. Okay. So the first one is like, okay, I need maybe just like a level or two more before I feel comfortable going after this first thing. So that's where I left off on. Once I do that, I think is really when the game will open up and the world will become super duper interesting. Mm-hmm. But even the small settlements that you're seeing in that first area and immediately once you get into like the Forbidden West proper are like surprisingly lived in interesting characters a lot of side missions that i haven't really interacted with yet but you often will talk to a character and get sort of their background and then it'll they'll be like well if you want to come help me with this if you want to meet me here blah 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 it leaves that option open for you that's probably what i'm going to go do now in the pursuit of leveling up to then go do the main missions sure um so i'm really impressed by the fidelity of the open world not that the first one was poorly designed in that sense but this is just a you know substantial and not unexpected upgrade in that regard. So very pleased with it. And honestly, after Elden Ring, I'll probably still have that itch to go explore and I'll have plenty to do as soon as I jump back into this. So impressions early on are very positive. Yeah. Same here. Uh, I, I'm overall impressed with it. Uh, A, we haven't talked about this yet. It looks amazing. Yeah, It's gorgeous. The visuals are incredible. Um, Specifically like Aloy's face is crazy uh like the freckles and then like you can see sweat yeah and all this different like perspiration and stuff it's so cool minor sidebar did you see some of the internet discourse about some guys being like why does she have a beard oh my god that was one of the funniest Talk, things I've ever seen. I, say you've never met a woman without say saying you've never, you've never been met closer a woman. to a woman than like <laughs> yeah 10 feet it, they were complaining about like the the like, hairs that every human has. Like the, yeah, the soft face hairs that everybody has. It was yeah. so funny. Um, yeah, that But was, those are there. So, it, you know, speaking to the fidelity of her design. Yes. Uh, and the, the world design is really pretty. I'm excited for uh, some of the new sort of whatever you call the enemies design. Yeah, the like, yeah. The robot animals, basically. Uh, like the first intro boss is sort of a cobra. Uh, and that fight was really fun. And so I'm excited to explore more of those. Yeah, it's funny in that fight, I was like, you have to remember, it's almost like you forget that they give you a very clear path to beating these enemies that you should not be able to beat. Yes. You know? Yeah. There are these giant machines where you're like, how the hell am I going to kill this thing? Right. And obviously you can like scan them and like, oh, there's a weak point. As long as you exploit that, <laughs> yeah. there's your way in. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I, 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 I will say it is very a very good sign that a lot of my takeaways so far from this game are things that were negatives of the first game. Yes. Um, specifically, like the character interactions. Uh, there's a little boy in the intro area of like the sun god people or whatever. And the little boy is like the cutest little boy in the world. And you get to like talk to him. And I was like, this is awesome. Uh, like he's just so excited and like asking about all your missions and stuff. And again, it's a way to like give you a little bit of a recap, but uh, just, I don't know. They've seemed to have taken quite the leap with those things. And because they were detractors before, I'm even more excited because I liked the first game and now they've seemed to improve a lot of the critiques. So yeah. So if, if they can nail this, you know, the path that they've set out for this story, this game will be a pretty substantial upgrade from a game that was already considered to be pretty great. Yeah. Not, and we are, arguably among some of the bigger critics sure. of Horizon. Not Zero that we Nine. don't like it. No, it's a great game. It just has 
a few obvious things that could be improved. Yes. This game seems to pinpoint those things for correction, and it has done a good job so far. Uh, yeah. So if they can nail the, or at least come close to nailing the story, this game will be a better version of the first one. Yeah. Uh, so, that was a lot of games. It was. So you have a lot of stuff to pick through there if you haven't already. Do you have a recommendation? I assume you're probably recommending one of the games you've played. I'm not. Oh. Because I was prepared for this today. So I'm recommending, uh, I, you know that I like to recommend non-games game of things. As long as it's in any way tangentially related. And it definitely is. Uh, I'm recommending GG App. Okay. Do you know what this is? Nope. So... It is basically the letterboxed for video games. Oh. So it is a way to track the games you've played. Uh, you can leave reviews. You can score them. You can put them in lists. For example, I have a list going now of all the games I've beaten in 2022. Um, and it's just a cool way to not only see like where you stand on certain games, because you can always go through and rate games, you know, that you liked or that you don't like. Um, see what it's, you know, there's like a social media aspect so you could, Follow me on it and see what I've been playing. Yeah. Follow Jay on it, see what he's been playing. Um, so there's that aspect to it, but I really like it. A as a motivation to beat more games because mm. that's something I'm trying to do this year. I feel like I really laxed in beating a lot of games last year. I kind of really was into 2K. <laughs> that yeah. was basically it with a couple of other things smattered in. Slay the spire. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, I'm, I'm trying to trying to beat more, especially like backlog stuff, like I've been doing. Yeah. Um, and it's been just a really cool way to track that and, and be motivated to play more of those things. You can even, it's got some really cool features. Like you can list things as stuff you want to play. So you can have like a wish list that's not tied to like a store. Yeah. You could also have, uh, you can say like what you're playing right now versus what you've beaten versus what you've completed, ver like completed being 100%ing um, versus games you've abandoned versus <laughs> games that you've shelved. So, like, abandoned, oh, uh, shel cool. shelved is like, you know, I want to play it more, but I'm going to play something else right now. Yeah. But then abandoned is like, I'm not I'm coming back to this. Hmm. Uh, it's really cool, and I, I think it's a really, it's obviously still still very early days. Um, I heard about it on one of the kind of funny things, hmm. uh, and they seem to, like, be friends with the guy who made it. And I think it's just one guy, but there's, like, a roadmap that you can see of, like, hey, these are the features we're going to add in April or whatever. Hmm. Um, so it's really cool, you know, check it out, follow me on it if you want, but, uh, I really like it just for tracking myself. Obviously I love Letterboxd and yeah. it is kind of that for games. So I'm in, I'm intrigued by this because it's to sort of piggyback. Yeah. My recommendation is the whole month of February. <laughs> this is a minor cop out, but here's what I'll say. No, obviously, clearly you can tell that my early impressions of Elden Ring early 25, mm -hmm. 30 hours in yeah. ringing endorsement for me there. Yeah. Good impressions of Horizon early. Sure. There are multiple games that came out in February that I really want to play, and I just can't yet. Such as? Dying Light 2. Yep. Sifu. Sif I want to play Sifu Those so are the bad. two big ones for me. Sifu looks um, awesome. So, like, when I was sort of going through this month, I was like, okay, I know... Well, Sifu came out... Well, I don't remember which one came out first between those two. Um, I think Sifu was first. But it doesn't really matter because I knew that I was going to play Horizon, and I knew I was going to play Elden Ring. So yeah. I was like, I'm going to hold off because... These games will probably go on sale. So those are sort of my games that are like I'm setting aside to play in the future. Yeah. Akin to like sort of your wish list or what, that you would make on this app. Yeah. So those games have gotten good reviews. So it's there's no through no fault of the game's own. Right. I am not playing them. Yeah. Uh, Dying Light. There was some, you know, critiques about like the story and like the characters, blah, blah, blah. But like 
are you really playing Dying Light for like the in-depth story? Are you <laughs> sure. playing to like parkour through an open world with zombies and have fun? Because that's sort of yeah. what I was wanting to get back into. Yeah. And then with Sifu, you know, our love for, you know, Souls is a similar comparison, but like roguelikes, you know, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. which seems to be what Sifu is. And it got resoundingly good reviews. Yeah. And as soon as I saw that and they were like, oh, the combat system is so deep. I was like, damn it, I want to play this game. Yeah, me too. I almost bought it today. Uh, and it seems to be, I mean, it's not as long because it's a, you know, roguelike. So if you beat it in one go, it's not that long. But I'm sure it takes a while to sort of pin down the mechanics and that sort of sure. thing. So that's another one that I'm like, this month was just full of great games or games that I want to play. And I just was incapable, so yeah. I'm prioritizing and setting aside the ones. And you know, if I get them ten, twenty dollars cheaper, you know, who's to say that's not a bad thing? Yeah, totally. Uh, and it seems like we are finally on the other side of the pandemic delays. Sure, like a lot of stuff They'll is coming out, out right now. Like even this last week, uh, WWE 2K, which got good reviews, and I bought, I did buy it. Uh, and I'm going to try out, Yeah. but like Gran Turismo seven came out and people were loving that, um, or is about to come out maybe, but I've seen good, good talk about that as well. Like, it just seems like we're starting to get more of that stuff that got delayed and it's going to be a really exciting next few months. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's part of my thinking there is that February, this February, February, 2022 mm-hmm. looks like one of those months that we'll look back on and say, damn, that was a really awesome yeah. month of games. And it seems like it might be kicking off a string of you get your February, obviously March, you've said, you know, a couple there. Mm-hmm. We're looking forward to a few games that are coming out in the summer, in the fall. Like it might've been when the floodgates really opened. Sure. Um, so kicking off now, you know, whatever's in your backlog, you might just be saying, sorry, it's going deeper in the backlog because your backlog yeah. seems to be getting longer and longer, which, you know, I would say is a good problem to have. Yeah, totally. You know, it's an embarrassment of riches right now when it comes to great games on the market. So, yeah, the ones that came out this month or just last month are the you know tip of the iceberg. Uh, so very excited to play more of those. Very excited to talk with you about them more. Hopefully yeah, our too. schedules are continuing to open up. Yeah. And honestly, weirdly, we're coming up on E3 season. What oh my god, we are! <laughs> Holy shit! A month and a half. Wow. No, wait. Two, two months. Two and a half, half months. Yeah. But like, and what E three is going to look like this year? Completely up in the Who air. Who knows? Yeah. But we know we're going to get some cool announcements, some cool teases. Hopefully, some teases of games that we're already significantly looking forward to. So, be on the lookout for those. Dude, we're going to come back from a beach trip. And Pretty much to E three. It'll be E three. Yep. So we're going to be like. Two degrees darker uh-huh. and doing our E3. We coverage. should not. We should not go outside until then. <laughs> Come back blood red. Yeah. From the sun. Uh, so be looking forward to a lot of coverage coming soon. But until then, we're tapping out.